0: This is Infidel One, Offending Coyote Down, Offending Coyote Down. Roger. up. Welcome to Trappin' Radio. We're proud, organic, free-range, wild fur farmers of North America.
1: Let me tell you a little story about how I was raised, everyday work. Every day pray, God, family, friends, yeah everybody sins A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins Help folks in need, don't fall for greed A jealous man is weak, so think before you speak If you love him, let him know, if you hate, let it go Fast can be fun, but sometimes you need slow God, is all good, the devil is so real So listen up, y'all, cause this is how I feel i won't back up i don't back down i've been raised up to stand my ground take my job but not my guns tax my check till i ain't got none except for the good lord of above i answer
0: to no one now let's cover our sponsors they do a lot to help support Trappin' radio so i'm asking you guys out there and gals to help support our sponsors as they keep trapping radio on the air. First sponsors, Oki Cable and Trap Supply. Jeb's the owner of this. He's out of Oklahoma, super guy. You'll not meet anybody nicer. It's somebody you're gonna wanna deal with. You can reach him at oktrapsupply.com. You can give Jeb a call at 918-429-4648. Not only does he do trap supply guys, he's a fur buyer, so if you're around the Oklahoma or surrounding states, give him a call with your fur. When you need stuff, give him a call and he'll get it out to you as soon as he can. Our second sponsor is F&T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, if you're into trapping fur, hunting fur, chasing fur with dogs, you're not gonna be able to think of hardly anything that you can't get from F&T you can reach them at fntpost.com. You can also give them a call at 989-727-8727. Whatever you want, f has got it. Blue Ridge Outdoor Supplies. Scott Payne is the owner of this business. He's in Elton, Virginia. He also has a lure line, mountain rebel lures and baits. He's got a great coyote trapping video. He's also a fur buyer in Virginia. Anything that you're looking for in your trapping needs, give Scott a call and he'll get it right out to you. Wildlife control supplies. Proven solutions for wildlife control. Delivering value, expertise, and products to the wildlife individual. If you're an ADC business, control business, even fur trapping, you need to look at these guys' websites. Top-notch company, have everything you would want, even the odd stuff that ADC guys are looking for. You can reach them at WildlifeControlSupplies.com. You can give them a call at 877-684-7262. International number is 860-844-0101. If you're a wildlife control professional, you need to have Wildlife Control Supplies as one of your favorites on your computer or your phone, because when you come across something that you need specialized equipment, Alan will get it right out to you. Now let's go traffic.
1: See, I'm a flag-flying bible in son of a gun. Yeah, I'm hell on the heart, just a rebel on the run. Scared, don't know it. Fear, don't feel it. The truth is the light. Sometimes you gotta fight. Good beats bad, right beats wrong. I'm a ballroom preacher, and this is my song. I'm climbing for the top, representing for the country. I'm the people's champ, right out your dick. Republican voter, Hank Junior supporter, let's protect our border. To hell with anyone who don't believe in the USA, cause this is what I say. I won't back up, I don't back down. I've been raised up to stand my ground. Take my job, but not me.
0: Well hello everyone, this is Clint Locklear for Trapping Across America, I'm, I'm interviewing Scott Webb tonight, now Scott is a good friend of mine, I've stayed up at his place, um, I probably drank way too much of his goat milk when I was up there and had a good time, I met him at one of our trapping schools in Ohio years ago, he's just one of them rock solid guys, very logical, very analytical and he's got a, a, an epic work ethic when it comes to his trapping and, I got him to do an interview when we were up in Pennsylvania. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's uh, talking a lot about uh, raccoon trapping, the way he does it, where he does it. He's uh, more, even though he's in Iowa, he's he's got a lot of rocks and stuff that you're going to hear about. He uses a canoe. Uh, he's got a system down. It's, it's to me, it's just very interesting. I think you're really going to like the show tonight. I want to say it, this is uh, about two weeks I believe before the NTA up in uh, Michigan. Well, I'm going to be up there but the show that I'm pretty fired up about is Little Valley New York this year. It's uh, Sportsman's Rendezvous. If, if you're anywhere in the area guys, please come up there and say hello. I think you're really going to enjoy. It's August 8th, 9th, and 10th and I want to kind of go over some of the demos because they're going to have some awesome demos up here. You're going to have White Acres. They're going to be talking about equipment. not Owl Lures, Fox Trapping, The One and Only, Jeff Dunlap, Beaver and Otter. Then they're going to break for lunch. Then I'm going to be talking about how to make a living at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Mike Wylett, if I'm saying that right, is Fisher Trapping, Darren Freebro, Woodland Canines, Coon Creeks Equipment, and then... Uh, Bailey's Fox. He's going to talk about raising fox, which to me is a pretty interesting topic. A little bit different than normal. They're going to have a a, a band that night, and then we're going to go back into uh, demos. And it's going to be Norm Blackwell, proper use of all Dave Allen set locations again. Darren Freebro fox trapping. Uh, one on uh, Mike mic. Willite. Hope I'm saying that right, dude. Coon trapping. The one and only Jeff Dunlap, Mink and Muskrat trapping and they're gonna say have a safe trip home. There'll be a lot of dealers up there. There's gonna be a lot of good prices on stuff. If you've never been to one of these before near that area, you need to come. It's gonna be a great show. There's some really big dealers that come to this thing. It's a little closed off and a little more uh, exclusive than some of the other trapping shows are. I think you're gonna have a really good time. Hope to see you up there. If you're up there man, come by and say hello. I'd love to meet you. Let's go ahead and get with our interview with Scott Webb because he's a a guy that's just interesting to listen to. And there's a lot of good knowledge in here if you'll listen to what the man's saying. Okay, I'm with Scott. We're up at the uh, Pennsylvania (coughs) FTA convention and uh, we're getting ready to load up a lot of rotted meat in the van for my pleasure on the way home. And, Scott, you live in, in Iowa, and won't you tell us where that's at? We we live in northeast Iowa. Um, it's one
2: of the hidden gems of the, everybody says Iowa, and it's cows and cornfield, and for the most part, that's true, but um, up in that northeast corner, we didn't get the glacier come through the last time, so we've got tall lime rock bluffs, trout streams, um, caves, that kind of thing. So it's a little different area than one... You know, people think of Iowa and um, they they think Interstate 80 or I-35, and um,
0: it's not quite that way where I live. I mean, it doesn't even look the same. I mean, you got rolling. I mean, real. I don't know if it's real close to you, but I mean, you got some pretty big ridges and everything right through
2: there. Big for the Midwest, big country. You know, it's not. It's certainly not the Appalachians or the Rockies, but um, we. You know, you get into Key County, it's rattlesnake country. Um, Cedar Cedar hills now, they used to be grass hills because the old farmers would burn them every year. But um, I can't tell you what the elevation change is, but we've got bluffs on the Upper Iowa River that are 200 foot tall. So that tells you a little mm-hmm. bit, um, you know, what kind of changes
0: you can run into. And that's, that's uh, I mean, that's a brutally cold part of the world where you're at. I mean, unlike... I think even where red's at on the southwestern, there is a difference. We are just when you look at the
2: gardening zone changes, there's a difference. We we are in the Minneapolis-Rochester, Minnesota gardening zone. Okay, so it's a whole. I don't know the number, but you go south of us sixty miles, and you can grow plants. There's plants south of us that we can't have at home, just for whatever reason we get that cold that comes rolling out of Minnesota and that and um, it, yeah it does get cold. Where, right where I live we are out on the prairies it's three miles away you're in bluff country and where we're at it's the prairies and the wind will come blowing through um, deep snow drifts. Winter can be really tough for us. Well how long is your summer? I mean how long? This year summer hardly exists for us. It's, it's going to be a short summer um, Basically, you know, we'll get, our trapping season will start first Saturday of November. Small creeks can have some ice on them after the first two weeks of season. Um, You know, some of the bigger rivers like the Cedar, um, the Prairie streams, they're going to start locking up December 5th thereabouts. The river I trap happens to be spring fed in a lot of places, so I'm lucky. I get open water way longer than most guys do just because
0: of the, the spring fed aspect of it. And I would recommend not saying exactly where you're at while you're doing this. Doesn't Exactly. It doesn't matter. It's
2: permission ground.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, you know, okay. I that's that's something,
2: you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of any of this location stuff. Because, the, for me, the they can come road-trap in my backyard. I don't care. I don't road-trap. I river-trap. And the commitment to do the river that I do, um, they're not saying guys out there can't do it, but... Um, Probably it, not willing to do it. No. It's a two-person gig. My wife drops me off. She picks fur up in the middle of the day um, and then catches me at the end of the day. Thank God for cell phones, because you, know, you never know what time you're going to be where. Um, and so, you know, it's a, I picked that up from Dave Pluger. He, you know, his wife's doing the same thing for him. We're on these these rivers that are shallow, and you get 15 coon in a canoe, you're you're dragging. And so, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's not like you're going to take a 16-foot john boat with a regular outboard and go run that river. You know, there's a lot of times I don't use my motor. I'm back to just paddling. I, I have an 11 foot kayak blade that I stand up in my canoe with and paddle when I can't run the motor. And the motor I'm running on the big canoe is a, it's a scavenger, long tail. It's just um, a lot of things I like about it. The best thing is the prop just eats lime rock and when end of the season, you go weld a new bead on the edge of it and just build it back up.
0: So is is it kind of like when you say a scavenger? Is it kind of like a a go devil type thing? Very
2: much, very much like a go go devil. It's a long tail. Um, The big the big difference with this scavenger and most of the other ones I've seen, these other ones all have a single handle tiller. And however the throttle works, Mm -hmm. it works. The handle on the scavenger is delta shaped, and so it's when you're holding on to it, you're holding on to a big flat part of the D ring, basically. And when you go to turn, you can spin that motor 90 degrees and still be standing straight in the canoe, and um, you know you're not leaning off the side holding the tiller out over open water. I couldn't even do that when my when I had it on my on the John boat. Yeah, yeah. This and, and like there's uh, there, there's faster motors out there. Um, everybody's got their thing. This motor only weighs 72 pounds, so I start out in the morning, my fat ass in the back of the canoe and the motor. I've got to put 15, 30 gallons of water up in front of the canoe to ballast it to begin with. You know, just get her down and it behaves. But um, comes time to get in and out. Um, if I have to, I can lift the motor off the canoe, pack it up the bank, and, you know, then the canoes, it's a, it's a big Osage, Missourian canoe. It's a 17-foot flatback. It's six inches wider than my Grumman, so it's very, very stable. But um, that that's my canoe of choice on that river, but... Um,
0: now, is it aluminum because it it's
2: rock? It is aluminum. Um, I've got a welding shop, and he knows how to put rivets in, and he knows how to weld aluminum. And he, He's seen that canoe already. I and mean, You get boogie <laughs> boogieing along. And, um, it's not quite the transom of the canoe, but the part right below the transom, you hook that on a rock and rip it open, and the water comes in real fast.
0: Mm-hmm. And it,
2: you know, But I've got a guy that welds aluminum, and he's Johnny on the spot and takes care of me. So... Cool. deal. how did you get started in Scott uh, Trapped, Scott? I um I was thinking about that before this show, and um, honest to God, I was about a kindergartner, and I had a box in the backyard with a carrot and a stick and a string, and I was going to catch a rabbit. Well, that didn't work out, but I was that was in my DNA from the beginning. And again, like you know no family trapped or anything like that, but that was the you know the earliest beginnings of it. Um, really what got me going is when we moved to the place my folks are at in 77 I was a half mile from the river I trap I could walk there every day mm-hmm. and um, with just a few traps and um, little little get up and go in the morning you know I, w- I was making more money as a kid trapping two hours in the morning than I did working for a farmer full time Back and you know this was 77 78 79 back when everything was really something mm-hmm. and so that that's how i got started and of course stumbled upon the trapper magazine at the time it was still just the trapper not trapper predator caller i had been receiving for fish and game um a book here a book there videos hadn't been heard of yet. O'Gorman might have been doing a few back then but that was the early early stages. About 87's when he put his Okay on well then you know we it was just and some of our librarian school was good. Our li- librarian would get trapping books for us kids and so you know we we had access to that and that's you know just trying to weed through all the old stuff and figure out what worked on my river that was the beginning of it. Um, in 1988 I took lessons from Carol Black, and that um, kind of jump-started my canoe mentality. I ran I ran trolling motor and two batteries like Carol did for a couple years before the fur crashed, you know, on the same river, and um, and it was it was good going. I mean, I hear stories that people tell. It's like, well, you knew it was Webb coming down the river because there was that pile of, it was really a pile of junk, but there was fur on top of it, and it looked like a mountain. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were doing it back then, you know, wire drowners um, whatever stakes you could use that type of thing um, and then you know fur went to, I you know I didn't quit trapping because fur went to pieces but I got opportunities to go out west and cut timber and do other things in my life and it got away from the trapping for about 15 18 years and um, you know I don't I don't begrudge missing the trapping I did some things in life that most guys don't get to do and so that's okay and just um, as my wife and I settled back down where we are now and um got going it's like you know we've got this great raccoon here I want to go out and you know be born again coon trapper is about what it amounts to Mm -hmm. and um just really got into okay didn't have these long tail motors back in the day um you know we were still using slide wires and stuff hell nobody was using cable hardly to drown coon back you know back in the you know seventies and early eighties I'm using a chain drowner that Jim Blakely designed um, and I like for I tried a lot of things on this river this second time around the disposables and all that it's it's a lime rock river you might be able to slip a disposable in and um, it locks up under a sheet of limestone and okay there are disposable but I like to bring them home and um, so we just went, and we went back to putting a re rod top and bottom on these drowners. Um, I'm using a one and a half coil spring for the, you know, for my trap. What I like about the chain is, if anybody's been on any of these Midwestern rivers, a lot of times it can be fairly, okay, hip deep at the bank, and then you'll get a, a sand shoal up four or five feet out, and it's only ankle deep.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, other places I need to get him out for You know, I'm running ten foot of chain. If I only need to have him go out five feet, I tie a knot in the chain, drowner stops right there, it's still staked out tight out in farther out from the bank. Um, so that's that's the system I've come up with. Re-rod top, re-rod bottom. I've got a deep water driver that is a deep well socket that fits the nut on the top of all my stakes. All my stakes have the same nut on the top. Mm-hmm. So this deep well socket fits that nut. It's got Two and a half foot of five-eighths re rod welded to it, so I can hammer in. It's got a T bar, so if I need to loosen a stake to get it out in that deep water, I can put that socket on there, crank it, loosen it up, and then and get a pull on it. So that's that's what that's the final answer for me, raccoon trapping on this river. Um, last year, I started using DPs in the places where I couldn't get pockets in. Um, either either it was. Too lime rocky, I mean solid bluff, or and you've seen it, you know mm. what we run into, or too sandy to hold a pocket up. But you still got these hot coon trails that are coming in, and um, just started fluffing up the line with DPS, you know. And certain days they'd be half of my catch, other days not so much. It just you never knew what how it was going to
0: pan out. Well, what was amazing to me when we went because we went kayaking down one of those, you could have transported. What you're calling a river, I mean, a, a, to a creek back home, but you could have, you could have transported that to West Virginia, Tennessee, Western Kentucky. It was out of place from what I've always seen in Iowa. Correct. Here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's why they call it the
2: driftless area. And dr- when they say drift, they mean glacial drift. It's all this big granite rocks. I mean, house size rocks, pickup size rocks basketball-sized rocks, all the way down to you know baseball-sized rocks. These old German farmers were picking rock all the time out in the fields. Where I trap that glacier never did that. It's still limestone bedrock. It happens to be 200-foot bluffs mm-hmm. because the river ate through it. But that's that's what went on there geologically and that's why we have
0: have what we have. Now, I, I, I've known you for, for several years and what I'm getting ready to say I don't want you to take the wrong way. You spend money where you need to spend money, but you are definitely if there's a, a frugal scale when it comes to stuff, you're like below one. Well, so I mean, you know, but you, I mean, you, you have a nice truck when it came to your, your, you know, when you're doing your goats and your farm, and you have a good equipment. But I mean, you, and when you were talking about the chain and the don't want to leave disposables. And just knowing you, you don't want to, I'm assuming, the reason that you like to canoe is the gas bill is pretty good. It's very good. I can, I can run that 17 miles
2: of river on a half a gallon of gas. And that's, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I've still got, we've got to drive to the put-in point. She's got to drive to me at noon or thereabouts to get the you know the middle of the day catch. And she's got to come and pick me up. So she's putting 50, 60 miles a day on the truck. You know, this isn't my backyard. just your logistical team. Just yes, that's my <laughs> wife. Yes, but yeah, we you know we spend money on what we wanted. It's it's like anybody else. If you think it's important to have a jet ski and five four wheelers, you'll figure out a way to get them, or um, kiss the banker's butt to have him help you. Um, my wife and I have a joke about our banker. It's like if we need to go see him, one of us is going to put on a leather miniskirt, and um, I kind of got sick of doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Our banker helped us, but you know, my goal in life now is to stay debt-free and um, get tools that work. You know, spend the money where you need to, like you say. But um,
0: we try to keep it simple, you know. Well, I mean, you know, with well, the fur prices when they drop, like the coons this year, it, it's it's probably not going to be the best. Someone can still make money on coon and and make decent money on coon if they're not spending money that's right and, and okay
2: my equipment's all bought everybody's making fun of me as I'm walking around this convention cuz I my hands are empty i don't need anything we we've got the equipment bought um we'll we will make better than wages with our coon trapping while the time we're coon, you know trapping the coon mm-hmm. um, unless they go down to $5 but um i don't see that happening with you know we've got a good coon in northeast iowa we uh, and I don't, if you want to edit this or what, I don't care, I averaged 24.50 for the first two sales that they sold at the last, there was only 20 that they sold at the last fur harvesters, but they averaged 29 and change. So, I felt like we did good,
0: mm-hmm. compared
2: to talking to other folks from different parts of the country,
0: um, we still did okay with our with our coon prices. Well, um, there's nothing, I mean, good grief, $29 coon, $24 coon. And, you know, Mike Kimball was talking yesterday. He's like, if I could just have like a ten or twelve dollar average year after year after year, I could make money. Mm-hmm. It's when it, it it's it's just disheartening when it goes up. Then you get your hopes up. Then it comes down, and you've already spent the money in your head. And it, it. and that that's the one thing we don't we don't spend
2: the fur check before it comes in. You know, it's we're it, we're we're not well off by any means, but. We've we've put our coon through the auction system, so I know I've got to wait for the money. I know they can hold a large percentage of those coon back, you know, but I trust that they'll do what they can for me to market them. That's just kind of suits my nature. I never was one to, nothing against Grenwald, because he treats a lot of trappers right. I was never one to take my catch up to the rat wagon when it came to town and have everybody in town seeing what the devil I was doing. Mm. It just, didn't suit me you know it's um some some guys like to go up and, and whether and i'm not going to say they necessarily thump their chest but they like the fellowship and the camaraderie and all that and it's like i know more trappers nationally than i do in my own two county area it's just mm. that that's just how i am and so that's
0: um that's that's how it how it works for me so how are you setting your canoe up now what we well, how do it it's start from the morning how, how do you because that's always, <clears throat> the, the questions I always get, Scott, are, okay, do you have a trailer for this thing? Or when you get there, I mean, do you unload it at different places? And I always get these, it's a logistical thing. Mm-hmm. They know how to get it and know how to paddle it. Then how do you set it up where you don't drown in it? We
2: The way we've got the big, when I say the big canoe, I mean the one with the long tail motor. It's, you know, that big Osage, Missourian canoe. We bought a trailer last year, actually we bought a flat bottom boat and it came with the trailer. I wanted the trailer. Mm -hmm. Before we were taking the motor off the canoe, putting the canoe in the truck, putting the motor back inside the canoe. It it was a lot of lifting and it, you know, our old shoulders aren't getting any better. Bought this little trailer, so now we can back down to the water's edge on the put-in landing, slip the canoe in, with the motor on, it. with the motor right on it. Yep, that motor swings all the way around. So when we're in transport, the propeller is in the canoe, the handle sticking out the rear. It just, it'll swing 360 degrees. So it's just we just swing the prop into the canoe, tie it off with a strap so it doesn't swing around, strap the canoe down to the trailer, and you know we're we're very mobile. Um, I've got a setup on this canoe that it's a, it's a tandem walking axle with big cart wheels. And so when we can't back down to the river with the trailer, we can drop these cartwheels down and pull the canoe around, walk it over logs, get a tree across the river. I can drag that thing around on a sandbar without unloading it. These wheels, if I've got less than 200 pounds of junk in the canoe, I can physically horse it around on these So they wheels. stay on the canoe at all times? They do. They do. Um, they, they're telescoping side, side slides on it so when they're not being used, they're in the up position when I need them. Just make sure I'm in some deep water to get them drop down and get the pins in, and then away I go. That's ingenuity. That's nice, and it works like I expected. It still works. The cool benefit with this is it's got a support strut that goes across it that it's about 12 inches higher than the gunnel on the canoe. So we put a piece of plywood off of each side of that that slopes into it's I'll call it channel iron, it's channel aluminum. I lay my coons on those plywoods, the water and blood drips off into the channel iron, runs out a hole that we drilled off the side of the canoe. So I'm most of my water on my coons is draining out as we're motoring down the river. When that rack gets too full of coon, I throw those semi-dry coon in a tote up front and um, keep adding to it so it that's that was a, a neat secondary benefit that we didn't quite design into it until like I said my welding guy is a good guy. I bet that was a happy aha uh-huh moment. It was because you know how it goes you get a either you've got totes and all of a sudden they're half full of water so every even if it's a dry coon that you put in there he's getting wet mm-hmm. um it, or you don't have totes, and the boat's adding every coon you throw in. You're getting two inches of water in there, and the next thing you know, you're bailing blood and mud and all that crap out of it. So it it makes a difference. It's it's really um, you know turned out to be a a nice benefit. Genius! do not you send me a picture of those wheels? I'd like to see how you did it. They're, they're on YouTube. Oh, they are. And, and anybody listening to this, our YouTube is One Sky Puppy. Spell it out. One Sky Puppy. Yep. Our dog's name is Sky sky puppy and that's just that's when we started it so o-n-e-s-k-y-p-u-p-p-y and um there's not just trapping stuff on this video i i got some timber falling stuff we've got our sawmill videos on there um terry does some alternative health things so there's everything on there that we do together so some of you guys that oh it's not just trapping well that's not just my life we you know we're well-rounded people and do Mm -hmm. other things and so that's but you know, you want to see them—the wheels, see the canoe. Um, my chain drowner system. Like I say, it's none—none none of it is secret. It's all out there. It's just what I've put together
0: to, you know, to make it work. So, how are you when you well, say we're starting a season? Is your stuff preset, or do you have it in milk crates or in boxes in the the canoe? I'm I'm able to on my private
2: ground do pre-staking. We call it pre-staking. So I'll have pockets dug, stakes driven, traps. You know, I don't use quick links on the traps. The traps are basically permanently attached to the drowner, to the 10-footed chain. I'm able to get 15 traps and chains in a 5-gallon bucket. It's not too heavy to lift. They don't get tangled up. I was surprised. You just throw them suckers in willy-nilly. If you grab a trap, the chain is gonna follow it out. It's not like this tangled up rat's nest that cable can be sometimes. Mm. So that's, um, you know, when I go out pre-setting, you know, I'll put in two buckets of traps, you know, 30 traps, pick a section of river I'm gonna work on, enough stakes and all that, and away we go. Um, Opening day, set the trap, put the bait in the hole, drip a lure, and and on on the way we go. I will on on opening day I'll I'll have my dog proofs along and I'll be putting them in as I go cuz they go in so quick and easy it's it's not I don't think it's necessary to pre-position dog proof traps on my line. You know, I get my heavy work done with the you know the digging and stuff.
0: So it, how how are you
2: anchoring your your dog proofs? Are you the really dog, those No. Too? The dog proofs we're using wolf fangs. Okay. And um, that works good because we're just um, it, it tends to be a sandy bank or, you know, I, I wouldn't trust re-rod where the dog proofs are going. My re-rod stakes are 18, 20 inches long thereabouts. I wouldn't trust them where I'm putting the dog proofs. So we're, we've got 18 inches of cable on the Wolfangs and a lot of times I'd like to have a little more but most of the time they do just fine. So that's how that's going. I do want to say a little bit about how I'm doing my pockets and I know probably there's been guys doing it before me I dig my pockets with a 3-inch auger. Just a hand-crank hand, hand crank auger. Rich Casper made it for me. I make a deep, deep pocket. The bait goes all the way in there so the coon or mink or whatever can't reach it. I want him in there, like Johnny Thor- Thorpe said, give him a puzzle he can't solve. Mm-hmm. It's not a complicated puzzle. He just doesn't understand. He doesn't reach. So the more times you get him to reach in there, pull his foot back out, trade feet, he's he just stomping on that trap. And, um... That, that's something, I've shared that idea with a few other guys and they've come to, we don't quite throw our tile spades away, but that's the hole maker. The tile spade may do some landscaping for us, but um, that tends to be a more durable hole. Um, even in some of the softer soil, it doesn't get blown out as bad as a tile spade mm-hmm. hole would get. So that's, that is something that um, you Know a lot of this other stuff. I don't care what kind of drowner you use to get them underwater, but this hole digging business, um, crank it in an inch, pull it out. If you hit a small rotten root <laughs> or something, crank it in an inch, break through it, pull it out. It, it will go through a lot of stuff, so that's that's something that um, we'll get some of these guys to try. I think if, if you're a pocket set guy, um, if, if you're digging it with a shovel, I think you can dig it better and faster and with less effort mm-hmm. with an auger, and that's. I don't use the electric drill because... <laughs> you saying this yesterday. Well, I'm just not going to drop a drill into the water. I, I mean, I know I'm gonna, but I, I can't afford to do that. Uh, because a lot of times when I'm cranking a pocket in, one hand is dipping into the water as I'm cranking this auger. So I am putting an up, up angle on it, and sure as the devil, that DeWalt drill would be going zip right into the water, and you know there I am without nothing. So that's just, you know,
0: I, I know me, and tools stay in the shed and well I played around with the the drills when I used to do pockets a lot and I could get about you, you can get about 10 days out of a drill because the water gets sucked up in them fans and everything and then it locks up. Yep. So I was like at yard sales, but I mean I had a collection but I think what you're doing and I and I do and I know what you're talking about even when I dig dirt holes with a big auger on land it seems when it cuts that out you don't have all the side pressure and repacking and all that shaving going on so when there's any disturbance it caves in on itself yeah, yeah. and it, it it like
2: I say it's just a, to me it, it's it is the pocket tool you know I mean in the old days they were talking big holes and stuff I I'm not you know Carol taught me use the big hole all this for visual effect I'm not relying on that. My pocket is right on a coon trail. I'm setting on, there's tracks either in the water, you know that little four inch wide trail right under the steep bank or where this hot trail came down off of you know where a bluff meets the flat ground and that pinch point there. If I can get pockets into those kind of places he's he's tripping right over. I'm making pockets as just like you said DPs. I want him to bump right into it and so that's, I don't need that big visual to draw him across the the creek if i if i need to draw him across the creek i'll paddle the canoe across the creek and put a pocket in there you know i've got i've got my permissions um you know it's it just so that when way.
0: you're i'm assuming then since you're mixing in and dog proofs and you're using your sliders you're not running a three-day check no absolutely not um
2: the i think it, the the sliders are nice just because you know they're foothold traps um we do get some damage if a coon doesn't go down' them and I don't want that i i've I've had the sliders have made me money just in the marginal catches that are still there, and you know so that's part of it um. I don't think my game warden would be on me too bad if the river went up dangerously high and I had to leave my DPS sit unchecked for a day or two. Um, but that, the prime reason with the sliders is um, just that safety factor. If I don't feel it's safe to be on the river mm-hmm. legally, I don't have to do that. Because even in the summer, there's some places that was rolled. Oh yeah, it it can get right with it, and and you know. It feeds a fairly big watershed, and it is a narrow passageway that water runs through. It'll come up five or six feet overnight if you get the right kind of rain. And it's like, well, we can canoe it. We've done it. It's recreationally fun as the Dickens, but I'm not going (laughs) to trap it. You know, I'm not going to get out of that boat into, you know, six foot of swirling water and hope my waders do their work, you know, it's just I'm not I'm a little bit of a risk taker but I'm not stupid, mm-hmm. you know, and that's um, so that's, you know, and, and people, you know, ask, like, well do you do the extended check, and I'm like, no, I'll give it a certain amount of time on a certain stretch go down to the next stretch and go again, you know, that's just how we So you're not running the whole river at one time, time. No. you're breaking it up. We'll do a 14 mile section for a week and a half or so, and then, you know there's a, a good eight-mile section that will, you know, work with. There's there's pieces in it that don't produce or go into Minnesota for too many miles. I can't legally trap in Minnesota because of their issues, and I don't feel like, um, especially when the river's low. If I've got to get out and walk and drag that canoe, I don't want to be walking it through non-productive areas.
0: Mm-hmm. So we
2: just there there's sections of it that go into Minnesota, and when the water's low. we we just don't even mess with that because I can't boogie through it with the motor we do have good gauging stations on our bridges so I can get up every morning on the computer and look at what stage that rivers at, so I know how many feet of water I'm dealing with and um, at the beginning of the season I keep notes on this kind of stuff I know I know each bridge what gauging station depth is it's like, okay, do I need the big canoe or do I have to take the little one and just barely skim on by? And so mm-hmm. we do have good, good technology there and I do use it and it's, it's kind of fun to just watch how that river changes and be on the river when it's doing the changes. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, it went up a half a foot, went down, you know, whatever. It's really fun to know, okay, it went up this much and how did it change? Because just the way the water flows, some places it really just got faster and didn't get deeper. You know, and so that, but that's being on the ground and and knowing your
0: knowing your backyard. We we were we did a kind of an end of, end of season type thing last night for trapping TV. Okay. Now Mike is, uh, which you met yesterday. Yes, I did. He is a camera fanatic. I mean, you know, he's always chasing the next one and the the how can we make this cooler and and stuff like that. We got talking about. You can buy a specialized GoPro camera now with a drone. Oh, really? It's like two grand. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's what we're thinking. Maybe way off on that, but it's got four propellers. You run it off your smartphone. As close as you are to that thing, if you ever just like you know like had an extra, you could literally. I mean, I've been thinking about this all night. You you could get up. You could fire that drone off, fly it from your camera, check all your sets. And then you could, because the way you're doing it now, you could go, well, I really don't need to go on that first five-mile section or whatever. You know, sure. if for some reason, it didn't work. Yep. And then you, know, you, you, could, you would know how many animals you had before you left the house. And you could plan and adjust if, for that. If, if you can see the
2: coon at the end of the drownder or the trap not in the bed underwater. Oh, with with your water, it depends. Okay. Some sometimes it's not as clear as what you got to see. You got to see it in a very nice condition. Okay. Um, if if it's the wrong rain, the wrong time of the year, um, the wrong agricultural field conditions, that old girl will get muddy. Okay. And and you can't, um, you know, you can't you can't see what you what you want to see to do a proper trap check. So that's. That would be where it would
0: fall down a little. If it was clear, you bet. You know, I mean, they said you can, you could fly down the creek. You could hover it. You can put it at angles. So I mean, if you needed to, like, go to the pocket and back it up yep. over the, I mean, I was. I mean, I've been thinking about that all night. I wonder how much battery life will it have? Do they have an idea? That I don't know. Um, I've seen them. They they just look like. Uh, Little gray polymer things that don't weigh anything, and they got two oh they got four of these little propellers yep. on the bottom, and somehow they've got a zoom camera on a GoPro, which is odd. Okay, it's not, I've heard of GoPros. I've seen these little four-prop drones that we've.
2: They've got them at the mall. They're trying to sell them to you, but never seen the combination of the two. And I don't know the technology behind the GoPro on how it'll zoom or all that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. New country to me, but it would be it would be fun. Would be. Here, here's where it would be really great because you've seen our bluffs, mm-hmm. and there's coon trails up on those bluffs that those coon don't come down to the river every day. That's where the snares and all that kind of stuff would work in if I wasn't
0: so lazy to go climb that damn hill to put a few snares up there. Well, yeah. I was thinking about western cat trapping. I mean, because you're walking like 400 yards, you could you could pull up. I'm sure just set the thing on your hood. You know, you you, you, you got line of sight to where you're going, sure. you know, just <coughs> zoom over there, look at the set, come back. Oh, that was good. Great Yeah. Well and same you know, fly it up top of the bluff.
2: You can trip, it's open enough. The right trails. Fly it, look that's a good idea. <laughs> Hey, if Robert Waddell can have five hundred dollar trap trackers with satellite connections mm-hmm. and make it pay <laughs> I know he's got more than one. He
0: just shows us one, but you know, that would be that would be fun for sure. Now are you I know you used to uh, well first off, what has changed like when you when you got started trapping, what what has changed today? I mean your your style or your thinking or what have you learned about the coon over time? the the big the big thing that and like I'd mentioned I'd taken lessons from Blackie
2: and you know what was I all of 20 years old um, had read his books a lot of it was you know just in the field repetition I knew how to make good coon sets I knew how to see coon tracks what I needed help with this second time around was was trap density on the river. And so, and again, Dave Pluger was gracious enough to let me come along with the float on a float with him in the summertime, just to float a section of his river and give me a little clue just as to how heavy he was gang-setting certain spots, um, that type of thing. And that, that has really changed my attitude. The other thing is, in my world today, traps are cheap. When I was a kid, if I had a dozen, you know, that was... A lot of money for me to save up and um, so it's now it's like okay I'll sit I'll stop at a spot if I've got room to put in four or five pockets I will. And so you went heavier. Absolutely but but still in the specified places the places that Blackie taught me where the pinch points are that type of thing um, and so what, what it ends up being is I'll have a gang set every quarter mile or so on this river so I'm getting out Tending four or five traps, getting back in the canoe, scoot down through the lesser productive areas, and then do it again. And um, it's very common to be picking up doubles. You know, I just, at this point, I'm not surprised at doubles at all anymore. Um, we'll pick up triples and quads. You know, I had one particular pitch, pinch point four traps, 16 coon in four days. You know, just I wish I'd have had more traps in there, but mm-hmm. um, you, you run out of space to dig the hole, that, and that's part of the challenge is, you know, can I get a pocket in? But that's that's the biggest thing that's um, changed for me. And like with these DPs, if I'm going to put one DP in, I'm putting two in. If there's room to put three in and not have them tangle up with each other, they're going in. and um, And it pays off. You know, there'll be times you're floating by DP after DP, and then all of a sudden there's you know, eight of them within a, you know your quarter mile non-productive st- boom, 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 boom. There they are. So it's mm-hmm. that's that's what I've come to see as really important. Um, we can talk about trap brands, how you want to drown, whatever anchoring systems. Get the traps in the ground. So when those family groups of coon come through, you're
0: you're ready for them. So when um so. If you're running four traps every quarter mile, it's 12. If you're running about 12 traps plus some DPs per mile. I, I'd, yeah,
2: sure, the math works out about that way, sure. <laughs> we, we have, there's, depending certain sections of the river, will you know, I'll, I'll only be running 45 traps for the day. It just, you know, that just, the DPs in my number system, I haven't really started incorporating them. I don't count them as sets, really. It didn't take any work. <laughs> oh, you're going to make some people mad on that one. That's okay. A, that's okay. I, you know, it, it just, that's how my mind works. You know, it's just, just you. sure, you still had to go out and do your legwork, find your coon and all that. But the effort it took to shove them in, it just, it, it's like putting sugar in your coffee. Mm-hmm. It didn't take any more space in the cup and it sure sweetens things up. And so, you know, for me, putting pockets in is the work of it. And, um... Like that, said, that oh, first 17-mile section, we'll have 45, maybe 60 sets in, just depending on what the river did last year as far as giving me some banks to work with. There will be times when, you know, it was a, a nice, good working bank, and the next year it's a cotton-picking sandbar.
0: And so mm-hmm. um, you, you just have to adapt with it. Um, so... <clears throat> I, I remember you saying you used to set the bluffs because mm-hmm. you you would see, you said you could see steam or ice or something. Right. Something would give you away where they were at. That's what we've, and
2: we've got, okay, and again, I mentioned the trout streams, um, spring-fed river that, you know, doesn't freeze when regular rivers do. It's, but it does eventually. Eventually in places it does, but there's places that do stay open all winter long. You may walk the ice to get to them, you know, and then that—that's a whole different game. And that's what this—this this steam hole trapping that we're talking about. Um, there's big caves in the area that are, you know, commercially available to go walk around. There's small caves that only a raccoon can get into. But in the cold of the winter, when it's below 10 degrees, this air comes out of those steam caves. It okay. It looks like steam coming out of them, and you just you know, walk the hills, walk the bluffs, learn your stuff. It's things as kids, you know, we didn't have anything to do but run around the woods. So we'd find these steam holds in the middle. Mama said, Get the hell out of the house. And zero out, mama. She said, I don't care. Go. And so, middle of the winter, we're out just exploring our world. That's what kids do today. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> But that's, you know, it, it's this bank of knowledge that um, you only can get, you know, you can't GPS. I mean, okay, you, once you're there, you can GPS them. But you can't Google Earth them. There's no thermal imaging that I've looked. There's no thermal in, imaging to help you find these things. But, yeah, that, that's that's wintertime denning for these coons. And it, it, does, it does pose a bit of a problem because the temperature in those caves is 50 degrees year-round. So you've got coon denning up in 50-degree environments and so they're still good coon but they're not they're not as nice as what you get up in some of the areas of Wisconsin where they don't have that luxury of 50-degree house Mm -hmm. they're in a barn it's zero in the hay barn or in a hollow tree it's still it gets cold in those hollow trees all he's got is his fur and a little bit of insulation from the tree there's no earth heat helping him out so our winter you know january coon aren't as good as they could be in other places but we know where to go to get at them mm-hmm. it's snowshoe trapping you're dragging a sled it's high percentage low production trapping if you know we go out get a little exercise um, depends on what we're doing this year we didn't do any of it because we had a sawmill contract in the middle of january the river was done and we had did we did well with our river trapping and just said let's you know go take care of this sawmill contract.
0: So Where are you, are you just are you putting like 220s over the front? Is that what you're doing? Primarily 220s. I will I will hang some snares in some of the trails.
2: Um nice pinch points, I'll put 220s in the trails as well. It's it's the deep of winter, we're not worried about dogs out there that time of the year. Um so that's and, and we will run some DPs on the trails too, you know. They'll They've got sex on the brain, but if you've got the right kind of bait in that DP for that wintertime condition, they'll still take a bite. You know, they're they're coming out of those steam holes, going down to the creek, getting a drink. Um, I, I've seen fresh coon tracks at 10 below in in that area, and it just you know they are because they weren't there yesterday, and it's in that fresh frost. You know, they mm-hmm. do they go go out and whether he's whether he's looking for a girlfriend or going down to get a drink, you know, they'll move in it. Um, they won't move far. We follow trails or we, I, everything's we because it's me and my wife. If, if she wasn't supportive,
0: I couldn't do this. If she's being supportive now because I consider her very vision putting up your whole camp. Now she's a she good, she good girl. <laughs> the, the only thing, okay,
2: she doesn't skin and scrape coon, she combs the burrs out, and when it comes time to bucket the tainted bait, that's my project. She was really irritated at me last year. She was burping buckets on her birthday, and she says, That's not going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything, you know, when I say we, that's who I mean. It's me and my wife, Terry, and that's how that works. But, um, you know, we just go out, follow these coon trails in the snow, and it's like they're strong at the steam hole. And all of a sudden, where'd he go? I don't know. Maybe he just went out, take a little walk about, climb a pine tree, sit and sun himself in the sun, and then come back and go home. Um, it, it's not like...
0: Well, see, I, I think, I mean, kids had such an advantage. I mean, like, to me, we went out, we'd leave in the morning, and I would play in beaver swamps with water moccasins and alligators playing army up to my chest, going around and catfishing, and they just knew I was out there somewhere. But you learned so much stuff and what you're talking about you're doing and it i think with uh, with all the information that i give out and everybody gives out the knowledge is there but without the the experience and the practice you don't have any skill set just because you know how to do something
2: they're, they're at the point they they can regurgitate information they don't know what the hell it feels like to have the ice go out from them and end up in chest deep water and wonder where the bottom's gonna come up and that's that's an experience that um, you can't get from the Internet Mm -hmm. you know Um, I hadn't had that experience till I was about 35 years old and i had been on that river all my life as a kid it's, it's a wonder my mom didn't die of worry you know I'm out there ice trapping beaver it's dark it's nine o'clock at night where the devil's Scott at? Well he'll come home he always does and but that's how we learned you know um, I was very cautious as a kid but you know still got the job done and just like I say I went through when I was 35 just kinda forgot my basics and um, you know it was Um, eye-opening. Snow was over knee-deep it was about a two-mile walk to get back to the truck and I knew I couldn't run that far so I just go as fast as I could sustain to get there and um, get home and had the wife help me get out of my ice armor suit because it was, right. wasn't, I wasn't going to get it unzipped, you know, a, a little plug for muck boots, they kept my feet warm, my feet did not get cold, but the clo- every stitch of clothing on me was frozen to me, you know, there was no taking it off, um,
0: and so it, it's one of those things. Well, um, that, I mean, that to me, I've been to your place, yep. you know. <clears throat> I like you a lot, but since you got rid of your goats, that means there's no more really good goat milk there. This is true. So, but you, you know, you still have, uh, and then Cindy's going up, she wants us to get central leading air. Okay. You know, where we're at. And she wants to get rid of my propane, which is getting expensive, so I can gather that. But I won't go without a wood stove. And the situation, Terry could have loaded that wood stove up, I'm sure, and that's what she did, cranked out the heat and you could have moved closer to it as you needed to Absolutely. without going in. Well, the Well, it, it
2: wasn't just crank the heat out, when <clears throat> I got there, it was cranking. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- that's the neat thing. Uh, we've got, The Amish people built this stove we have, um, and it, it's a durable, long-lasting, ugly as sin stove. It is not better homes and garden material. It'll hold a charge of wood for over 16 hours and keep our little drafty house warm at 10 below when the wind's blowing. You go into that house, there's parts of that house that are a little chilly, you snuggle right up next to that stove and you'll be sweating really quick and and that's something I won't, I'm like you, I'll never give up that wood heat you know it just um, we've had times, ice storms been without power for three weeks how's that work for even your outdoor wood burners that pipe hot water into the house that Mm -hmm. gets in there via electricity you need a generator to do that Propane heat—they make propane burners that don't need electricity. We have them in our fur shop, um, so that's nice. Yeah, I don't need—I don't need any electricity. Yeah, for... um, but yeah, that's um, and okay. I've got big chainsaws. We handle firewood easy. A lot of people um, firewooding is a chore for them. It's not. I'm a I'm a timber faller. We've got access slabs from the sawmill you know it's our world but you know we put everything to work you know we just um it it works for us how's it going to be if i make it to be over 75 years old i don't know i'll figure that out when we get there but right now that's
0: what advice would you have for someone that's that's looking to do the the canoe thing to cut their expenses i mean what if I was coming to you and go, I've never, I've never done much in canoes. What would be your advice to me?
2: Like any boat trapping, river trapping? Oh, well, no, I shouldn't say like any because a lot of guys trap. They put in at a landing, they come back to that landing. You know, it's they either they come down one side of the river and then back up the other if it's a big river, or deadhead back home, whatever. Um, The way we do it, you've either got to have two vehicles, one that you can tow behind your first vehicle, drop it off downstream, go in, put in, or have a partner, whether it's a trapping partner or your spouse or hire a kid to drive, whatever. Um, That is the big thing. The other thing is have a commitment mentality because when I'm on the river, I can't just take a call and say, oh, you need me to help with this, that, or the other thing. I'll be there in 10 minutes. I can do that road trapping.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I can't. When I'm on the river, and I carry my cell phone for safety reasons and to get hold of Terry when I need her to come and get me, but it still rings in and people need favors, things that I do. Sorry, can't help you today. I'm on the river. And that's um, something that a lot of guys, you know, they don't think it it just doesn't enter
0: the equation. And I guess that would be... um, so, so the commitment, and you're absolutely right. To run a canoe line is a commitment. Yeah, it, it, and
2: the way. Okay, I'm set up to check every day, and I want to check every day because, like I said, that one set of group I was talking about, 16 coon in four days. Had I had that on an extended check, I'd have still I'd have had four coon, period. Mm-hmm. You know, um. So I don't. You know, we've got enough coon in the area, and they come to that river. It's worth it to do it every day. So I can't say well. Today's chat trap checking day. Um, tomorrow I'm going to go cut some timber for a guy. The day after sawmill day. It's all trapping all the way, you know, start to finish when, when we're trapping. Um, if a guy's going to do a canoe line, get a 17-foot canoe. Learn how to handle it by yourself. Way before trapping season. Way before trapping season. If you're young and nimble and got some stones, learn how to stand up in it. Stand up and paddle it. With, I, I took two aluminum canoe paddles, knocked the T-handles out of them, put an extension of EMT between them. So I've got 11 feet tip to tip. What's EMT? Electrical metal conduit. Okay. Three quarter inch conduit. You can um, cut a slice in it compress it and it'll compress into those canoe handles tight so it doesn't come apart, doesn't need welding, anything like that. I used a couple of Mountain Dew bottles as drip catchers on each end so that when you raise the one blade in the air you're not getting rained on. It's just like a kayak blade Mm -hmm. except it's 11 feet long. I can stand up use my whole body strength and paddle that thing at a high rate of speed. My wife can't keep up with me in her kayak. She's just using her arms to paddle I'm, I'm using my whole body and my whole strength. On that river, there's not rapids that I can't go through standing up if I need to. Um, I get, I do take the uh, cooler along to sit on once in a while. I just like sit down and you know rest the legs, rest the back, that type of thing. That would, if to save money, start out like that. Don't go buying a big flat bag, big or motor. You know, there's what are these motors running? Fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars nowadays. Um, You find out you don't like it, it's going to sit in the shed for two years, and the next thing you know, you got it for sale on eBay, and there's $800 gone because everything loses value in somebody else's mind. So if you want to try the canoe trapping, that's how I would do it. Don't want to go buy a new or used canoe? Go find your local canoe livery. Ask them to rent a canoe on a monthly basis. Out of season, I think they'd do really well
0: with you. Okay, that's, you know, a, that's a good idea. Um, now, are you wearing a life vest?
2: I do not. The okay. water the is only three feet deep in a lot of places, a lot less in others. The places where it is deep, it's not royally. You know, it's just smooth, slow, easy water. So I do not wear a life vest. Legally, I
0: have to carry one on the canoe. Um, that's That's kind of what I do unless it's like I get caught some of the water we get on we actually start getting white cap and that's yeah. kind of scary in a canoe and that's that's a different world
2: <coughs> you know, that's um, if I if I was on um, say the Des Moines River or the Iowa River where um, you're on some of these reservoirs God knows how deep they are depends on what the dam says to make it um, you bet I'd be wearing a life jacket um, it just you know and, and I get it and everything all the safety guys are gonna fall out bump your head that life jacket will at least keep you alive I don't wish to die, but I'm going to die someday. It'll happen when it happens. You know, it's just um, you know, like I said, I'm not a necessary risk taker,
0: but it's just that's just how mm-hmm. how it is for me. If I'm um, and you're in the canoes even out of season all the time. Absolutely, we w- the river is
2: literally in places three miles from home. It's in our backyard. We it's the best thing in the world. Here, are us two little hillbilly rednecks canoeing, you know, just bare bones you've got the L.L. Bean people out there from Madison, you know, with all their fancy gear and stuff. And well, how often do you guys come here? Well, every week, if we can, we live three miles away. and Oh, we hate you. Mm-hmm. I said, well, this is my river, you know, and it's not, but it is. Mm-hmm. And we do, um, we utilize it for recreation. Um, it's a cool thing. We've recreated on this river since I was a little kid, but it's a cool thing. To trap it and get really intimate with it every day, and then go recreational canoeing on it again—it's like your perspective really changes. It, you know, it just—I've got this river broken down into sections in my mind now. That um, you know, as a recreational you know 4-H kid, it's like, well, you did a three-day canoe trip, paddled 60 miles. Do you remember mile 17? Not so much. It's like now. It's like I know my sections, I, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you get better and better at
0: it. Um, and it. And I would say that someone that gets that intimate with anything on their trap line I mean, I've got properties like that I've been trapping on for eight or nine years that uh, when something does change, you know it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you can adjust for it. Yep. <clears throat> well, I guess, man, we better get that stinky stuff in this van. But I appreciate you doing this. No problem, no problem.
2: I, I ho- Like I say, that. Not 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 very high numbers compared to some guys, but um, I take it serious and you know we like to be professional about it. Put up our own fur, um, you know, so that, that and that's some guys do, some guys don't. I like putting up fur, so that's how we how we pull pull it all together. So,
0: but yeah, no problem. Well, plus I know you're too cheap to pay anybody. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks. Thank you.